I wonder how Brian Stevenson thought he could pull any of it off when he first began. Many of you have probably encountered his story, either in his book, Just Mercy, or in the film version that came out recently. From this side of his life, he's now 61, he's been practicing law for some 35 years, it's not so hard to see the brilliance of his plan or the goodness of his vision. It's not so hard to see from this vantage point because he has been so successful. Stevenson and his staff have won reversals or release from prison for more than 135 wrongly condemned prisoners on death row. They've won relief for hundreds more who were wrongly convicted or unfairly sentenced. He's won Supreme Court cases, some of which have profoundly shaped the life of our country, like the ruling that banned mandatory life without parole sentences for children. He led the effort to create a museum, a memorial that addresses the trauma and grief of slavery and lynching and the pervasive effects of racial violence in our country. None of this was a given when he started, though. Far from it. When he finished at Harvard Law School and moved first to Atlanta and then to Montgomery, he began work with some of the most vulnerable people in the justice system. He was not especially welcome, and my sense is that many, maybe most people, thought his aims were little more than a pipe dream. Which brings me back to that first question. How did he think he could do this? How did he imagine that any of it might actually work? The same question comes for me as I consider the Magi. They are the subject of much legend and imaginative storytelling. It was many centuries after this adventure transpired that they were given names, and it was decided that there were three of them, and they were men and maybe even kings. But that's not there. It's not in the text. It's in the art and the song and the tradition that followed much later. What we actually have is far simpler and more mysterious. A group of wise ones came. Maybe astrologers, maybe Zoroastrian priests, maybe scholars. They trekked from far, far away, somewhere in the east. Scholars today guess Babylon, somewhere uh, south of modern-day Baghdad. They had studied and they saw something in the sky that made them wonder and made them hope, enough so to set out and follow that light far, far from home. 
My guess is that there is actually a whole band of them who came, a, a scrappy community of pilgrims seeking this truth together. I imagine them mostly walking alongside one another, maybe some riding animals and other animals sort of trudging along, carrying their packs. It must have been an incredibly long journey, some thousand kilometers or more, intermittently very cold and very hot, filled with uncertainty and hardship. And still they hoped, and still they sought coming all that way. Why? Why did they set out? And why did they continue? We don't really get an answer. Or rather, we don't get the road map that I wish we had. There is no step-by-step guide delineating how to know if, if the thing you saw that you think might be truly incredible is actually of God and worth leaving everything behind to follow. Or, I don't know, if it was just a chunk of rock and ice burning up as it hurtled through the atmosphere. The Magi don't give us a playbook for how to keep going, how to hold fast to that hope, even when the path is so steep and so rocky that that we're losing our footing far more than we are actually making progress forward. And the Magi don't even give us guidance on what comes next, on how to turn on a dime when the dream comes, alerting us that once again everything has to change. We can't live the same life again. We can't go home the way we came. The Magi, wise as they may have been, give us none of this. And I wonder, I wonder if there's a reason these parts weren't recorded, weren't passed on down through the generations. I wonder if it's purposeful a tactic to force us to consider something far more simple. I wonder if the gift of this story is not so much the gold and frankincense and myrrh, but the remarkably straightforward example of people seeing something holy and wild and beautiful and choosing to live with hope, seeing, hoping, and then moving, and beginning to think that all the rest is commentary, shading and embellishment on what is already gorgeous and true. The intensity of the trek, the mystery of finding their way, the awe of arriving there to pay homage to the young Christ child. It's all so good. But what I think we need today, as we seek to live this way out, is the reminder to see and to hope 
and then to move. This is how Brian Stevenson has lived his life, as best as I can tell, and how he has managed to lead some of the more broken parts of our world towards redemption. In speaking about his work and and how he has approached what so many would consider to be insurmountable challenges, Stevenson said something that, that helped me understand how he was able to start in the first place, and even more so, how he can continue. He said, I think hope is our superpower. Hope is the thing that gets you to stand up when others say, sit down. It's the thing that gets you to speak when others say, be quiet. As best I can tell, he doesn't conceive of hope as a feeling, as something that happens to us, something that we either have or we don't. Instead, hope sounds like a force we can tether ourselves to, a state of being that we can choose to live out. And even more than that, more than a feeling or a state or even an external force, as I listened to him speak, I saw how for him hope was not a noun but a verb. It is a word of action, one that compels him forward, urging him to relentlessly pursue justice and healing for the whole of the community. This, I believe, is the way of the Magi. This, the wisdom we've been given in their story. Their hope is not just a warm expectation, but a full-bodied response to the holy they have witnessed. It is a hope made real in their choosing to follow, in setting out, in pursuing the promise of what they've seen. And you? What have you witnessed? What glimpse of God, what snapshot of possibility has come before you? No matter how small, how brief, maybe it seems wild to pursue it. And maybe it is. Maybe it seems absurd to hope, especially right now when everything is so uncertain. But what I see today is that this wild hope is our inheritance. It is a gift that comes to us without instructions or map, joined only by the assurance that it is ours to share, something that we can live together. This hope is our superpower, Brian Stevenson says. And this hope is right here waiting for us to choose it, waiting for us to follow.